It's time for faith and life to connect. I first go before God, working on who and what I am before Him and what He's calling me to be as a husband. Where a Christian walk meets our day-to-day life. Dealing with that baggage can mean anything from delaying the marriage to dealing with the baggage. For sure. And where it's okay to laugh a little. Meaningless days, I look at. <laughs> I'm looking at meaningless days and live happily with the woman you love, and I'm trying to figure out how they wind up in the same set. <laughs> We're not saying that the marriage is meaningless. Heaven forbid we say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. This is The Session with Tom Russell from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. What triggers your potential spouse? And that you guys both agree, yeah, they are triggers, and it is, as we grow, something we have to work through. But we're going to give you sort of the grace and space to do that. It's time for Faith and Life to Connect on Rise FM. This is the session. I am Scott here with the King of the Cranium. (laughs) Tom Russell from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries is here. And uh, happy Easter. I guess we should start with that. Yes. I thought it might be fun just to take a look at some myths of Easter. So Tom and I have compiled a few things, and we're just going to share these today. So let's dive right in, Tom. The seven myths about Easter. One, Jesus didn't literally rise from the dead. In in John 11, 25, and 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. So he did rise again from the dead. Hallelujah. If he didn't, he's a liar. Exactly. He spent his whole ministry saying, I'm going to rise from the dead. And what's the whole purpose then of of life? If Jesus couldn't be believed, then what does that mean about Scripture? And what, what happens to our guiding light? Oh, this is just a nice piece of history that we can have for, you know, some good words and good sayings, but it's nothing that we need to get up early on Sunday morning for. And then Peter, in 1 Peter 1, 3, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And what's really powerful about that, there is no other religion or anything that has talked about rising from the dead. And Jesus did so that we could have eternal life. There's no other way, no other religion you could talk about could say that. We're going through the seven myths of Easter today on the session. And uh, number two, after the resurrection, Jesus first appeared to St. Peter. This is almost like an Easter trivia question. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and it was. Here's what happened in Mark 16, verse 9. Now, when he was risen early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, and from whom he had cast out seven demons. So, how must Mary Magdalene have felt to have seen Jesus? Oh, yeah. After knowing. She watched him die. Yeah. She watched him put him in there and seal it up. And then here. And it's got to be a little confusing to her, too, when you think about Mary. Uh-huh. She went to the tomb. She knew the guards had been posted. From all indications in the in the Gospels, they weren't there. And the boulder's gone. Well, I think it's they, been rolled away. Right. I think they feared for their life. Oh, they would, because yeah. those Roman guards were trained to be lethal within six feet of themselves in any direction. Wow. Yeah. And and then to have her stand there and have this conversation with Jesus and not know it's him. Yeah. Uh, Gardener, hey, where where is he? I'm, I've come to, to worship and put these spices on him. Where, where'd you move him? And I'll take care of it. And he just looks at her and says, Mary. 
Wow. And and it's like the scales fall off and she recognizes him. I mean, that's just it's, that's yeah. one of those that's one of those hair stands on the back of your neck story. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Praise the Lord because you know she didn't have CNN to read or hear about what was happening. This is going on before our very eyes and she has to to make sense of what she saw, understood and what's going on in front of me right now. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right, number 3 of our 7 myths about Easter. Lent is not all about sacrifice. Now Lent is what the period of what is it, the 40 days prior to Easter? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you know, we're all about this Lent celebration and we give up chocolate, we give up coffee, we give up smoking or whatever it is. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's three the, out of four is not bad. Well, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Meatloaf did a song about that too. Two out of three ain't bad. Uh, Lent <laughs> is not all about sacrifice. It was about preparing for the resurrection in those 40 days and resisting Satan. Isn't it interesting that there, again, is the number 40? It's occurred to me that 40 seems to appear in Scripture more than once. And so I, I haven't done the, the research on it, but I'm just, I'm just making an observation there. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness. How many days were they in the ark? Oh, you know, I'm not sure. That one that one I'd have to go back and look at. I wasn't but prepared for that. How many kind of years trip. were they in the wilderness? Forty. There's your homework for you. You can go look up how long they were in the ark. There we go. You can you yeah. can go look that up and then remind us of that. Oh, and by the let me take an aside here. I haven't oh, said this in a while. If you have something you would like us to cover on the session, maybe there's a, a spiritual topic that you, you'd like to have us discuss. Maybe there's a, uh, in this time of mental discussion of mental illness, if there's something you'd like us to talk about in, in range of right. mental illness or issues of the family, please let us know. We'd be glad to explore the topic and see if it's something we can cover if we feel properly expertised. <laughs> okay, maybe not. If we feel like we're smart enough to do it, <laughs> let's go that way. You can just uh, you can just uh, email me directly, Scott at risefmohio.com, and right. uh, and we'll go from there. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. So moving on with the seven myths about Easter. Now That's that our, right. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I like that. Well done. Well done. <laughs> So, okay, so we're yeah. going to turn to First Peter chapter 5 here. Verse 6. So reveal your struggle. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he might exalt you. And so when we humble ourselves before him, that's a time where we should feel really good about doing it. It's a time where we should be thankful because we can come before him. It's part of our preparation. And believe it or not, the only Christians who struggle with the enemy attacking them are those who were breathing. <laughs> I thought you were about to give me some really deep philosophical <laughs> truth there. And you, well, actually you did. Yeah. yeah the only, only people not tempted by Satan are the ones who are, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm with not, you. No I'm with you. Breathing. You may continue. Yes. This made me think too, Tom, about in the Easter story when Jesus died. Right. It is finished. Earthquake. Temple veil is torn into from the top down, revealing the Holy of Holies to all of us, mm-hmm. letting us know that we now have direct access to God. We don't have to go through a priest or through a sacrifice. Right. Jesus was that sacrifice. Amen. I think about that veil being split in two at that very moment. You know, those kinds of things you would think without question could be proven in history. Well, first of all, would they? I mean, this may have been the first example of cancel culture. Okay. Because the priest would not want anybody to know that. Exactly. You know, but the yeah. gospel writers 
knew it. Yeah. You know, it's obviously laid out in, in Matthew. I know we just went through Matthew as part of our devotions that we do on the air. And when Jesus died, earthquake, uh-huh. temple veil torn, and some dead were raised from the grave mm-hmm. and went out, walked around Jerusalem, went to the temple, and hung out with people. I'd love to know what happened to them. Exactly. There's no. Yeah. There's nothing told to us about what happened to them. Right. Where yeah. did they go? <laughs> <laughs> did they just say, hey, great to see you. This was fun. I'm going back over there. And, and when, yeah. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. you know, that's, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that has to be in, in there's some historian somewhere. I don't, I don't know of any writing that Josephus did that, that accounted for it, but. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's got to be something somewhere you would think. Definitely. Okay, now we get a little bit personal here, Tom, as I know an awful lot of kids right now are going to Easter egg hunts. Yeah. And it's all coming up. Easter eggs, This is, keep in mind, we're talking about the myths of Easter. Easter eggs have nothing to do with Easter. Well, And, and that's true, Scott. We don't want to alienate any little no. children here because they're the future of what listening to our show. Eggs represent new life and rebirth. I thought that was really interesting when I researched it. It's that thought that this ancient custom became a part of Easter celebrations. So really, it was done, I think it was a good thing, because uh, the representation of eggs and new life, because that's what we're talking about with the resurrection. Right. Is that we're being born again. He was raised from the dead for us. It was a sign of new life and about celebration because we have relationship with God. I don't know if, what a great story to be able to tell your kids. You know, you've got eggs in the fridge. Right. You know, you can just hand them an egg and they know what an egg is. Yeah. And that can become a starting point to a teachable little moment for a child that may not be able to understand the concept of somebody bodily coming out of a grave. Right. And and remember, as we're talking about this, as you're talking to your kids about this, it doesn't have to be a deep theological thing. Coach your teaching to your kids to their level. Yeah. They don't have to understand the King James Bible by the age of six. Yeah. They just need to know that Jesus loves them, that Jesus died for them, and that Jesus rose from the dead for them. Now, there are different ways you can portray that to kids. Right. You know, when we were in high school, Sunday school, you, you may remember this. I don't know. Hmm. You remember the good old flannel graph? Yes. The piece of felt on the wall, and they put these little pictures up, and they moved them around. For some reason, I was fascinated with those, but <laughs> maybe it's just me. I, you know. We've gone from felt boards to screens. <laughs> uh, maybe yeah. that's why Pong was so exciting to us when we were kids. All right. So our seven myths of Easter today on the session. You know, I've asked you to put your pastor hat on today to go through all this because there's so much scripture. Right. I have a hunch we can spend a minute here and let you preach a little. Oh, cool. Easter is not as important as Christmas, Tom. Well, Scott, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> okay. I, let me, let I'm me very grab sorry, my ladies hat. and gentlemen. This is, <laughs> this is not what I had in mind today, <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> yeah. And so without Christmas, it would be impossible, Scott, to have Easter. Christmas wouldn't be meet as much as it does if there hadn't been a resurrection. They both are critically important. They give us our eternal life with God the Father. So what we're talking about here, too, is how what value would Christmas be without the resurrection? How can we have a resurrection if we didn't have Christmas? So how can you say one's more important than the other? It's not a chicken and the egg. They both are essential 
for part of the story to be complete in order for us to have eternal life. Now, you couldn't have had the resurrection and the crucifixion without having Jesus born first. Exactly. That that had to happen first. And if I don't know, you know, it it I think it stems a lot from just what man has done to those things in order to again ancient cancel culture right let's get this jesus thing out of here let's give our kids presents and tell them about that yeah, that's true uh, well then there is the whole saint nicholas story which is maybe a show for december yeah, right and <laughs> as, as, as i'm wearing my pastor's hat this just in <laughs> breaking news and it is it is really important the other reason why there's christmas and easter is to fulfill old testament prophecy it was prophesied here it is, but yet we're not believing what Old Testament prophecy was about, but we got to find some way to, to make it work for us, and, and it's really sad. Aren't we thankful that Jesus came, he died, and he rose again, and he defeated sin and death for us? I can't imagine anybody ever wanting to face God without having done that received Jesus. I think I just heard a whole bunch of people yell amen. <laughs> yeah, hallelujah. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I was really fascinated as I went through Matthew. I think it's chapter 27 that has so many things in there mm-hmm. about the crucifixion, what goes on in that day of and when Jesus died. And you look at back at the prophecies that were fulfilled just in that one stretch of day right you yeah know, everything from the three hours of darkness to not a bone will be broken uh blood and water will flow that he was beaten scourged right. he he was wounded for our transgressions is what the prophecy says mm-hmm. and all those things were fulfilled in that one day and yeah if you want to go back and look at those read matthew 27 mm-hmm. i think it's chapter 27 and then go back and look at isaiah 50 and isaiah 53 mm-hmm. and psalm 22 they're all in there. And if you right. look at those and you're thinking those are written hundreds or thousands of years before Jesus was even born. Yeah. Unreal. I mean, it's it's uncanny how how Jesus fulfilled every single prophecy of the Messiah, save the ones about his resurrection when he comes, because he hasn't done that yet. It it is amazing that you can look at that evidence and say, nah, no. It clearly shows, Scott, I think, how the enemy has darkened the eyes, so to speak, that God has given up, so to speak, those who have denied him and have no interest in him. That's so sad. What is it? How does the Bible say that? He gave them over to their own own, devices or sin or mm -hmm. something of that nature. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know, especially when I look at what's going on in today's world, I don't know how people put one foot in front of the other today without jesus amen so we're really actually talking about (laughs) the seven myths of easter and and, you know we've been talking about this idea that easter is not as important as christmas and we you know one doesn't happen without the other they're both equally important Mm -hmm. when when i look at it the easter celebration i had a hard time initially as i got older and i got past Mm -hmm. the ooh easter egg hunt thing as being a kid to now being a young adult and having a family of my own, and and maybe this is, is a point we can cover here for just a quick minute, how do we teach this to our kids, the concept of the death, the crucifixion, and the resurrection? How do we do that with well, little ones? Yeah, that's that's so important, Scott. I, 
and it has to follow along developmental lines so that it's something that the children can understand. And I think there's so many great resources out there that would help teach it in children's books uh, about the Bible or even in uh, you know pictural books of it. If we're talking elementary school, I think there's like a cutoff in there. Somewhere uh, for girls, probably eight or nine, are going to have a deeper understanding of it. Boys, that understanding might be 10. 12. <laughs> okay, 22. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, God love Social you. Social security check. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But that becomes really important is that they hear it and they learn it. But what's also really important is statistically in research, there's a window of optimal possibilities or a window of time where children were more likely going to receive Christ. And and that's somewhere between the ages of, I think, of 8 and 13 is the most optimal time. I might miss it a year or two, but, but the point is that there your probabilities are good uh, up to a certain point. And then after that, it's, it's more of a challenge. Right. The curve takes a steep slide down. Once they get into those teenage years. There was once an individual who said, there's peer pressure, but there's also peer priority. Gee, where have I heard that before? (laughs) Maybe we should talk about that, Tom. Yeah. Yeah, Because by 13, their peers are a priority. Right. Mom and dad can be saying this, but what are my peers saying? Yeah, that's one of the things that drives my wife nuts about me. What's that? We can talk about something. Right. Especially early in our marriage. Oh, I was terrible about this. I really was. I don't know why she didn't just beat me over the head. But then my mom or dad would say the same thing, and I'd be a lot more receptive to it. Okay. I was a very immature newlywed, and I'm sure she would tell you I'm still a very immature newlywed. Well, that's what the emails say. That's what the email, thank you very much. All right, moving along. <laughs> no. Back on topic here. Um <laughs> I'll Sorry, call you, Scott. I'll call you later. <laughs> Number you know, six. Imm- oh, you, 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 okay. You want to dig in a little deeper? Okay. Immature. <laughs> oh, no question. Okay. So, what did she say, or what was it? You want to oh, tell I, us? I don't what remember any specifics, but there were several times that we would talk about doing something, and I almost wanted to wait until I talked to mom and dad first. Oh my! It's like I didn't trust Sherry enough to partner with me to decide something. I had to go to my mommy and daddy first, and I'm a confirmed mama's boy. I okay. I am a spoiled little mama's boy, and I know it. Oh my gosh! And uh, yeah, Yeah. so that's yeah, that's what I I know. Sherry, I think I understand now why she took those three week trips to be with her mom and dad. Okay, gotcha. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Well, she could. Well, yeah, and it shows the importance uh, of this that our wives seriously want to feel important to us. Right. There's a great example. Exactly. All right. Back to our seven myths about Easter and my counseling session. All right. Number six. Jesus didn't die on the cross. He just passed out. Okay. So this is this is kind of where I take over and I get on my soapbox a little That's bit. That's right. If, you, if you'll permit. Your pastor's hat. Let me pass you mine. Well, we'll give the. I'll, I'll I'll put the youth director's hat on. I'm not qualified to wear the pastor hat. No way. This is known as the swoon theory to most people, and there are several problems when you think about the idea that jesus just passed out on the cross <laughs> gee i don't know why i would have been in physical torment he'd been beaten he's been whipped 
He has not eaten in 24 hours. He's been up all night mm-hmm. with, with the various trials and other sham things that were done. He's now been nailed to a cross out in the weather, right? in his underwear, and he's been there for three hours or more. Mm-hmm. And all he did was pass out. Hmm. Okay, now let's put our let's put our common sense hats on here. First problem: How did Jesus get out of the tomb? He's been crucified. Right. Okay, you've had the blood loss, loss of everything else that goes on. He was also stabbed with a spear. Mm-hmm. Blood and water came out, according to the biblical account, which means it punctured the lining of the heart and got to the heart mm. for the blood and water to flow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you've been stabbed in the heart, you've been whipped, beaten, hung on a cross, stuck in a, in a cold stone tomb, and you woke up from your nap. <laughs> okay, first problem. How did Jesus get out of that sealed tomb? It was sealed from yeah. the outside, not the inside. There wasn't just a skeleton key that he could use to get out. Second problem. There were two separate groups of Roman soldiers involved here. One were the ones that put him on the cross and made sure he was dead. Mm-hmm. They were experts at capital punishment. They knew of which they were doing. Mm-hmm. Second problem, the tomb was guarded by a squad of soldiers, and I had, I think it was, uh, oh, I can't remember his name now, that did a, a deep dive into this, and these soldiers were trained to defend themselves within six feet of themselves in any direction at any time against multiple foes. To have 12 unarmed, scared-to-death, knees-quaking mm. disciples, well, really 11, Judas was gone, or the women, overpower them and get into the tomb and say, come on out, Jesus, you can wake up now. Makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Now, here's the other thing. This group of soldiers that was tasked by Pilate to defend the tomb, we know that from Matthew 27, 62 to 66. That's where Jesus was after he was buried. The Sanhedrin came back to him and said, you know what? This guy said he was going to raise from the dead in three days. Put a guard out there. Let's make sure that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. The ultimate cancel culture. Uh So they did. The other thing, Pilate was told Jesus was dead. We have that account as well in Mark chapter 15. The guards went to him and said, it's all over. Everything's taken care of. He's dead already? Yes. Okay. At that time, Joseph of Arimathea comes up and asks for the body of Jesus to be buried before the Passover begins. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if he's already dead, go ahead. If he had just passed out, those guards would have known it. Uh, the, uh, that's right. And so there, there you go. There's, there's just my rant. All right, number seven, last one. His body was stolen by the disciples. This one you actually will still hear from Jews today. And there's a reason for that. <laughs> And it's Matthew chapter 28. Okay. This kind of piggybacks on what I just said a minute ago, where the guards came into uh, the city and told the chief priests what had happened. They get all the elders and everybody together, and they paid them off. Said, look, here's the thing. All right, we we need this guy to be dead. Hmm. All right? So here's what you're going to do. We're going to pay you all this money. And then said, just tell everybody that his disciples came and stole him. And I, I can imagine the guards looking at him and going, from us? <laughs> so that's what they did. And the passage ends with, and this is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. You will still hear that. The disciples stole the body. Again, quaking disciples, 11 instead of 12, maybe the women. Right. They've been in hiding all night. 
<laughs> yeah. All weekend, for that matter, they were in hiding because they were afraid they were next. Yeah. And they're going <laughs> to. And all of a sudden, they're going to go out and walk up to these trained Roman guards and go, <laughs> uh, you want to get out of the way? We really don't want to hurt you, but get out of our way. Really? Right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So. <sighs> and if you want to know more about where those rant, those two rants came from, they were from answersandgenesis.org, and there's a lot more there. With that, Tom, those are the seven myths of Easter. Yeah. And maybe we've touched a nerve. You know, do your research. Look through Scripture. Prove Scripture. Mm-hmm. What was the guy's name? Josh? Oh, a long time ago. McDowell? Josh McDowell set out to prove this was that the resurrection was fake. He wound up coming to Christ because of it. And a lot of a lot of atheists have gone out and tried to disprove the resurrection and wound up coming to Christ because of that research. So I challenge you to do the same thing if you're skeptical about what we've talked about today. I'll have our show notes that has more information there that we didn't have time to get to today. And then Tom, if if someone is kind of at a crisis of faith now, you've heard this information. Maybe you do the research, and I don't know what to do next. Right. Getting a hold of you to have a conversation. Maybe you never know who might come to Christ. At least that's our prayer. That's right. And How can I get hold of you, Chad? I can be reached at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com. dot com.